If you would, turn in the Bible to Luke chapter one. We have made it to December. It's the first Sunday in December, December the 3rd, and we're going to begin a new Advent Christmas series. The theme is going to be troubled. I mean, waking up on a Sunday in the holiday season and going to church should absolutely be uplifting and inspirational. I know that. And so, Lord, help me to preach the word faithfully. But as I was studying and reading all of these devotionals and thinking more so about uh, the Christmas season, the Christmas system, a Bible that we've got multiple people who are troubled in the Christmas narratives. If you've already been reading them, you've probably come across that as well. You've got the phrase, he was troubled, she was troubled, he was troubled, and that's what we're gonna study. Today we're gonna study Zechariah, who is the father of John, John the Baptist, cousins, and right before Jesus, and his birth narrative goes along with Jesus' birth narrative, and their mothers were cousins, and so they were only six months apart, and so they go together. John the Baptist's story is often overlooked, but that's what we're gonna study today, and I think you'll be encouraged by it. His dad was troubled at Christmas time. Next week, we're gonna look at Mary, and everybody knows Mary. Next week, we're gonna Mary too was troubled. The next week, we're gonna look at King Herod. Two weeks from today, the third one is gonna be King Herod, who, if you know that story, he was troubled, and rightly so, he was troubled. There was another king that had been born. He was troubled by that. See, these themes study scriptures, and we know these stories so well, and I just felt the Lord leading us to study being troubled at Christmas. But I think it's a little bit of a, 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 a mirage for us to act like I'm troubled by being troubled at Christmas because we try so hard to let it just be joy to the world. We try so hard for it just be good of the years and good news of great joy. And hey, it's just supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But we all know that whether it's just the cost of Christmas gifts or the lines or the traffic, or whether it's how busy the calendar is this time of year, or whether it's the deep burden and anxiety we feel knowing that this person won't be at Christmas this year. Maybe because they're no longer around or maybe because they refuse to come. That, and among many other things, causes us to be troubled at Christmas. Now, the Bible isn't always to come forward and say, okay, here's what's bad and let me tell you what's good. That's not the only way to do it and I don't want this series to be that way. I want us to see the Bible saying that people were troubled this time of year. I want us to be able to recognize that there are things that trouble us in this life. You know the words, the strong word from Jesus in John chapter 16 when Jesus said, in this world you will have, we get trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We get troubled at times. It is absolutely our prayer that you're not troubled here this morning and December hasn't troubled you yet and Christmas is wonderful for you and you're soaking up every single day and you hope to not get troubled and we do hope that is the case. So our study is gonna build out from these people are troubled. We'll find ourselves and find our place as we read it. So, to, so we begin today with the troubled Zechariah. Look with me, if you will, at Luke chapter one, beginning in verse five. Now, we're gonna cover almost all of chapter one today, and it's a long one, but we're gonna start with these first few verses. Begin reading with me in verse five. 
In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And now look at verse 12. Here's our verse for today. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Does everybody see that? Luke 1.12, Zechariah was troubled. That very phrase, that expression is found in the New Testament several times, and that will be our series here today, I want, uh, th- this month. I want us to ask each Sunday four questions. Number one, who was troubled? Number two, what was troubling? Number three, what was the response to them being troubled? How do we react? And then lastly, what was the comfort? We're gonna ask those four questions every Sunday as we study this passage. The kids' listening pages that are following along have those four questions on there. Number one, who was troubled here? Well, that's easy. Zechariah, verse 12 says, and Zechariah was troubled. Why was he troubled, okay? Well, let's think about this for a second. My second question is what was troubling, so I'm not quite getting into that. I'm asking why was he troubled? Let's think about this for a second. This is the beginning of the New Testament. This is the first verses in the Gospel of Luke. We've got the beginning of Matthew that talks about the birth of Jesus. Many of you all know that. The beginning of the New Testament starts with the coming of Christ. If you were to read kids' Bibles, once you finish the Old Testament, as soon as you turn to the New Testament, it's the Savior's here. It's Jesus. But on more careful focus, and I really hope you'll pay attention to this, there's a lot more going on here. The Old Testament ends with the prophets. Specifically, lastly, Malachi. And the prophets were announcing to people, you need to turn back to God. We've just totally lost our way. Nobody's living for God anymore. You need to repent and get right. Even Malachi, the last one, talked about a Savior's coming, but there's also one coming before the Savior that would be getting you ready. He would prepare the way. And then when Malachi ends, Nothing else. History teaches us that there was about 400 years from Malachi to Matthew. That's called the intertestamental period. If you didn't know that, that's massive to understand in a story like today, in a a study like today. 400 years is 2023, which means it would have been 1623 if you go back 400 years that there was absolutely nothing There was no prophetic word. There was no message from God. God hadn't shown up. God had not done anything. No angels were appearing. No prophets were declaring. Nothing. 400 years. And so as you can imagine, wonder what life was like then. Wonder what Israel was doing. And as you can imagine, people slowly but surely and gradually forgot about God more and more. Seems like a message for our day, doesn't it? That the further we get into the future, 2023, the more we have people going, well, that's just old stuff and can't be true anymore and he's not really gonna hold us accountable and he's not really gonna return. 
And he probably didn't even really die. That's just a story for us. It's been 2,000 years since Christ said, I'm coming back soon. He is coming back soon. We need to be ready. It had been 400 years since God had said anything. And it kind of makes you wonder, was anybody even still believing? Well, God's word teaches that God is in control of that, and God has always kept a remnant. And so while many weren't, there were still some As you turn in the Bible from Matthew to the New Testament, the first thing that you find, from Malachi to the New Testament, the first thing that you find is the genealogy of Jesus. That's something that Matthew wrote, so that's not the first thing that happened. Maybe right after that, you have the angel appearing to Joseph, telling him that Mary's gonna have a baby. That's not the first thing that happened. What was the very first thing that happened? This right here. Some of y'all have never thought about that before. I hadn't spent much time thinking about it. What broke the silence? What broke the 400 years? What was the coming onto the scene or entering into the world? What was it? It wasn't the birth of Christ. It's, that's the big story. That's the main event. But what was the very first thing that reminded us, hey, God's not dead. He's alive. God's got a word for us. What was the first thing? It was this. It was to Zechariah. It was an angel. It was this very passage. This right here is the first thing in 400 years that God did. No word from God for a very long time. And what does it tell us about Zechariah and Elizabeth? This is beautiful. Verse six says, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Church, there is an encouraging word for us here today that says, if nobody else is believing God anymore, that we still will. If nobody else is living and walking in the ways of God anymore, that we still will. If hundreds of years go by and it seems like, man, nothing's really happening, that we would still believe the promises that we believed at the start. I wanna ask you a question here today. Did Jesus Christ really die on the cross? Did they really bury him in the grave? And three days later, did God really raise him up? Yes, yes, yes. And regardless of how long the Lord tarries or how much of a movement goes against that and how few we may become, Elizabeth here, may we keep trusting in him. Zachariah and Elizabeth here, after 400 years of nothing, are righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. This is the Zechariah. This is who was troubled. So then we hear of Zechariah, and then we hear of the angel, and this is the very first thing, the breaking of the silence. Number two, what was it that was troubling? Well, look at verse 12. Zechariah is a priest, so he's serving in the temple. He's got to go in. He's there. He's in there to pray. And while he's there, verse 11 says, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. What was it that troubled Zechariah? It was the presence of this angel. Okay? 
Let's don't miss that because what we're about to get into in a little bit was the message from the angel, but not right now. It was the presence of the angel. Think about it. Angels showing up visibly are very, very, very rare, right? Very rare. Angels are everywhere. God has hundreds and thousands and multitudes of angels working everywhere, but you can't see them. Angel just means messenger. That's what the word means. An angel is a messenger of God, a servant. God uses his angels everywhere. There are angels working in your life right now. God is using angels to protect you and help you and bless you and cause favor and providence and blessing to happen in your life. You don't see them, but they're there. When an angel shows up and is visible and is speaking, that's rare. And it hasn't happened much in the history of the world. But in the New Testament, specifically, not just in the New Testament, specifically only in the time when Jesus was on earth, there's a lot of angelic, a lot of angels. You need to recognize that distinction. It's not in the Old Testament there were a lot of angels. and not in the New Testament there are a lot of angels. There is a lot of angelic activity in the life of Christ. Think about it. Joseph, an angel. Mary, an angel. Zechariah, an angel, right? At the empty tomb, angels. Well, listen to what J.C. Ryle says about this. The ministry of angels is undoubtedly a deep subject. Nowhere in the Bible do we find such a frequent mention of them as in the period of our Lord's earthly ministry. At no time do we read of so many appearances of angels as about the time of our Lord's incarnation and entrance into the world. The meaning of this circumstance is sufficiently clear. Listen to this. It was meant to teach the church that Messiah was no angel, but the Lord of angels, as well as the Lord of men. Angels announced his coming. Angels proclaimed his birth. Angels rejoiced at his appearing. And by so doing, they made it plain that he who came to die for sinners was not one of them. He was not an angel, but he was far above them. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the angels serve him. And the appearing of all of these angels makes that clear. Nobody in reading the Gospels thinks well, Jesus is just another angel. What we do find, though, because they are so unique and dazzling and overwhelming, they are scary. Because we see many times that's the response. That's consistent Old Testament, New Testament. When an angel shows up, the people are worried. It says it every time. Now, often the angel will say, it's okay, calm down. I'm bringing you good news. It's all good. But at first, they're always afraid. That is what happens here. Zechariah, serving in the temple, doing his job, being a priest, praying, within the promises of 400 years of nothing like this happening, living by faith in the promises of God, and all of a sudden, one day there's an angel there, that would scare anybody. And Zechariah was troubled, it says. Look at verse 12. It says, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Now, I want to remind you folks that the angels serve the Lord and God uses them for our good. And the Bible says that when Christ returns one day, the angels will come back 
And the angels will help us go to heaven with Christ. The angels will be used by God in saving us. Angels are not things that we are afraid of. We just get scared, or humans just get scared when they show up. May you know today that you're to be comforted by angels if and when you ever see one. Who was troubled? Zechariah. What was troubling him when he saw this angel? Number three, what was the response to being troubled? And now this is where this becomes kind of like twofold. At verse 12, it says, when he saw him, fear fell upon him. But then the very next thing, verse 13 is, but the angel said something to him. And he said, do not be afraid. I already mentioned that this is very consistent. And then he goes into this long thing. Look at this. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Notice this angel is a messenger from God. Zechariah has been praying to God, and the angel knows what Zechariah has been praying about, and now God is answering his prayer. This is an answer to his prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and shall call his name John. See, these are called birth narratives because it's about the birth of John and it's about the birth of Jesus, and they go together. Verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. This is not talking about Jesus. This is Zechariah's birth. This is not talking about the savior of the world. This is talking about John. This is the angel telling Zechariah this about his son he's about to have. Verse 15, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This John, this son, will be used by God in people's lives to get people to trust in Jesus. This son that Elizabeth's about to have will be used by God to prepare the way, to draw attention, to wake people up, to get people ready. Oh, we need that, don't we? Don't we need something that will cause us to take serious the things that need to be taken seriously? Don't we need something to happen in our life to cause us to consider what is most important? The Bible is describing here that, that would be the very role and purpose of John's whole life. And right now, his dad, Zechariah, is being told about this. But my question is, what was the response to being troubled? And so let's keep reading, verse 18. After the angel says all of that good stuff, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So it doesn't necessarily say there that he doesn't believe. Sounds like he's not believing. It doesn't say that directly. But the next few verses tell us he doesn't believe the angel. Look at verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Notice that the angel was scary, but nothing the angel said was scary. The angel brought good news. Verse 20, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak, not believe till the day that these things take place. Look at this next phrase. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. 
What was the response by Zechariah to being troubled? He feared because of the angel and he did not believe the angel's message. In turn then, he did not believe God's message. This word had come from God. It was a fulfilling of the Old Testament promises and Zechariah did not believe it. Therefore, God would discipline him and he would make him mute and deaf, unable to speak or hear until his son would be born. That's a discipline from God, but it's not a very strong one from God. It would be a few months, the boy would be born, and we're gonna read that in a bit, and Zechariah would get his voice and hearing back. What was Zechariah's response? Fear, trouble, not believing. We're not gonna jump ahead, but we will see next week that Zechariah's response to almost the exact same message stands in strong contrast to Mary, which we will study next week. Mary receives an even more extravagant message from God by way of an angel. She will be the one having the baby, and she's never been with a man. And the Bible tells us that Mary believed. Faith is a gift of God, and Mary believed even as we just sang about in that song, He Who Is Mighty. Zechariah stands in stark contrast to that because he didn't. The angel's message here is a good one. He brings good news. This is a clear sign that God is at work. 400 years, God had not been at work. He had not been doing anything. We have not seen or heard anything from God. And now he's here and Zechariah did not believe in that moment. This raises the question of Zechariah's response. How did Zechariah respond to this moment in this situation? And that's important for us to understand. How do you respond when you're in trouble? There's an old phrase that says, you are what you run to. You've heard that before. Whatever it is that comforts you, it's unbelievable how telling it is of where our heart is where we will run to something that God has told us not to run to because we can justify it when we've been hurt. We're that way, aren't we? I'm that way for sure. I don't want to do things that dishonor God, but if you give me a chance, an excuse, and a pity party to think somebody's hurt me or I'm in the wrong or I deserve it, I will. What we turn to and what we run to will often reveal to us what our heart is like. Verse six tells us that Zechariah was blameless before God. Verse six tells us that he and his wife walked blamelessly in all the ways of the Lord until an angel shows up and says, your wife's gonna have a baby and Zechariah no longer believes. Church, I wanna encourage you here today that you would be a believer regardless of how much it asks of you. I wanna encourage you today that you would be a believer whether anybody else believes or not that you would hate your sins whether everybody else says it's okay or not, that you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because it is the mighty hand of God, the one that made you and loves you, that you would love his son because God sent his son to die for you. We get troubled in life The Bible teaches us that when we are troubled, we are not to run from God. We are not to hide from God, which we so often do. We wanna act like it's not a big deal or think that God doesn't see or not tell him about it or not talk about it and hope that God does not see. We wanna be like Adam and Eve in the garden where they literally tried to hide themselves from God. And it almost sounds like a comical, humorous story when you read it because God obviously sees them. 
And not only did he see them outwardly, he saw them inwardly. He knew what happened. He knew why they did it. He knew that they doubted. And the same is the case for every feeling. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. He discerns every thought, every feeling, every desire of us. And when we get sideways and when we get convicted and when we've got a guilty conscience or when we're hurting or when we're troubled, who do you turn to? Do you doubt or do you believe? Church, here today, the beauty of Christianity is that when we're wrong, when we sin, when we're upset, when we're troubled, we run to God, not from God. We run to our Father in heaven that loves us. We run to the one who has grace and mercy for us. We run to the one who forgives us of our sins, who has an unconditional love for us. That is the response of those who are troubled. It's okay for us to admit that we've disobeyed. It's it's okay for us to admit that we've crossed the line. It's okay for us to admit I'm not the one. I need help. I need a savior. So we don't run away from him, we run to him. Zachariah's response to being troubled here is not a good one, he doesn't believe. The angel made him fearful and troubled. The message made him doubt. Sometimes God will make us troubled if it causes us to lean on him. What God was doing through the story of John the Baptist and also through the story of Jesus is God was bringing the salvation of the world uh, to come to pass. This is the fulfillment of the Old Testament in sending John the Baptist. He's the one that's prepared the way in the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist is the one that would come saying, hey, get ready, Jesus is coming. People get ready, Jesus is coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. It was a good thing. Zechariah didn't get it, didn't understand it, wasn't sure, and so he got worried and bothered and anxious and troubled by it. Sometimes what troubles us is good for us. Danger is different. Sometimes that which shakes you is good for you. Sometimes that which is a change or is different is good for you. Maybe you not be that person that so hates change that when change comes, you get out of character. What if the thing that God is bringing into our life that is to bring about a change is good for us? One commentator speaking toward this says, if afflictions drive us nearer to Christ and to the Bible and to prayer, they are positive blessings. Does everybody hear that? If afflictions drive us nearer to Christ, the Bible and prayer, they are positive blessings. He goes on to say, we may not think so now, but we shall think so when we wake up in another world. Amen. Soon and very soon, folks, you will take your last breath and stand before God. And anything and everything, this church, this preaching, this book, this gospel, that God uses, that God uses to force you to take seriously the Lord Jesus Christ is good for you. Affliction, trouble, hardship, an angel showing up that drops you to your knees, whatever it is, it's good for you. When you're troubled, trust the Lord. And a small little note of application. In your homes, when you get troubled, which happens to all of us, 
don't let the whole of your house spread apart. Lean in together with anger, with feelings hurt. Let's sit down. Let's pray. Let's sit down. Let's read the Bible. Let's go to God, not away from God. I speak from experience. I know how that works. You get upset. You raise your voice. Distance happens. And next thing you know, we don't even talk about the Lord. We talk about the Lord here. Don't look to the word about the Lord at home. We pray here. We don't pray at home. We look to the word here. We don't look to the word at home. Don't let that happen. The same principle that applies from the truth of God in your heart, don't run from him, run to him, absolutely applies to your splintered, friction family. Lean in. Don't act like you're better. Don't act like you've got it all together. You're not holier than thou. You're not the perfect one. Just say we need to go to the Lord and do it. When you're troubled, turn to God and believe him. Number one, who was troubled? Zechariah. Number two, what was troubling? Well, the angel and also his message. What was the response to being troubled? Zechariah did not believe. But lastly, what was the comfort? What was to be the comfort here? Well, in short, it was that God kept his promise. It was that God was fulfilling his promise in saying that the one coming before Jesus had come. He was here. God did what he said he was going to do through the mouth of the prophet that one like Elijah, a prophet coming before, would clearly be here to point people to the Savior. Zechariah and Elizabeth had a son. They had been barren, and now they had a son. And this son was special. Turn over with me in chapter one to verse 57. Chapter one, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. This is a little humorous part in the story here. Like, John, why John? Why are we gonna call him John? Look what the very next verse says. 60 things, John said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Everybody's looking around like, John, of all things, John? His dad's Zachariah, he's gotta be Zachariah Jr. Why would you call him John? Remember, Zachariah ain't been able to talk for all this time. So nobody knows. He had used his little tablet to tell his wife, here's his name, trust me. Angel told me that's his name. There's no questions about it. God sent him, he's already named, honey. That's how she knew. Verse 62, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. Hey, guess who's believing now? Zechariah. Guess who's back in line of, I'm gonna trust the Lord here. I'm not just gonna go off on my own and name him what I wanted to name him. God said his name's John, his name's John. Verse 64, or at the end of verse 63, and, all, and they all wondered, verse 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. Church, there's a devotional right there for all of us. People that are troubled, don't stay troubled. 
when they trust in the Lord. People who are troubled and going through the hardship can find blessing and praising of God if they will trust in him. It's true. We see it in the life of Zechariah. Verse 65, and fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? Isn't that the big question? Remember, the, the Jesus stuff hasn't happened yet. This is the first thing. God's back on the move. God's back speaking. The silence has been broken. Now everything in the Old Testament is not just something old that everybody's forgetting about. Now it's moved back into play here. Okay, what were all of his promises? Yeah, there is a Savior coming. There is going to be somebody on the throne forever. God does have a Savior. God does have a Son. Everything that God had been saying through all the prophets is now back at the fore. John, and he's going to, old Elizabeth just had a son, and God made the dad quiet, and God told him he's going to be John, and he's going to come before, and it's all coming together now. It's awesome. So what was the comfort? Well, check out what happens next, verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Look at this. Now he's, now he's speaking but he's also speaking to his son and about his son. Don't miss this. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Look at verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Verse 80 says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Church, that is the birth narrative of John the Baptist by way of Zechariah. And Elizabeth. Zechariah, who was troubled early with the Christmas message, is now singing and blessing God and prophesying about how everything God has promised is coming true. It's happening and it's unfolding. There's a message here for our day. When all seems lost, when decline is about us, when it seems that the Lord isn't hope and trust lives anymore and people fall away from faith and fall away from religion and fall away from church and fall away from hope and trusting in him and nobody wants to follow God's ways anymore and when it seems all like that, you are to be reminded that if God's promises were ever true in any day, they are still true today regardless of how it looks. You are to believe that if the Bible's true now, it was true then. If the Bible is true then, then the Bible is true now. If God's ever worked, then he's always working. If God's ever been real, he's always real. He's our father in heaven. He's our creator. And he's the one who loves us most and has a plan to bring about the salvation of those who would trust in him. Zechariah starts singing and prophesying and blessing God. He was troubled. He didn't believe. The angel scared him. He thought his wife was too old. God makes it happen, and now he believes. And the Lord can do that very thing in your heart today. 
The Lord can take the trouble and worry and anxiety that you have or the guilt and shame and conviction that we bear and the Lord can turn it to hoping in him. The Bible's not a book that's gonna tell you how good you are and that there's nothing wrong with you. The Bible's gonna tell you that you've sinned against him and that is wrong and we all have that problem, but God loves you still. We are worse than we understand, but we are loved more than we understand. And this Christmas story is teaching us this. But specifically, this is not the story of the Savior coming. This is the story of the one coming to announce the Savior. That's what came first. And that's fascinating, isn't it? Our kids' Bibles do usually pick up John the Baptist, but it's the adult John the Baptist. And it's his message that you need to repent. But perhaps there's even more power in recognizing it wasn't just one random day in Bethlehem with nothing on the horizon that Jesus was born. Because Luke start really mess that all the promises of God start really making sense with the birth of John the Baptist. God's way of helping us say, I need to get ready. I need to be ready for the Savior. I need to make sure I don't miss Jesus. In our scripture reading earlier, we read from John chapter one. The first 18 verses of John are this beautiful, masterful piece of literature that is a prologue to the whole gospel of John. It's mostly about Jesus, but there is a mention of John. Notice what it says. John 1, six through eight. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Church, as we get started with December and the Advent Christmas season, may you and I find our place just like John did. We're not the one Jesus is. It's not all about him and it's not all about us. And John fulfilled his beautiful, glorious purpose by saying it's about Jesus. If you continue to study the life of John the Baptist, you will find that that was his message time and time again. He walks up, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He walks up and says, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. He's baptizing in the river, and Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. And John says, baptize you? You ought to baptize me. John's whole life is going, it ain't about me. It's about you. It's about Jesus. John's whole purpose was to point people to Jesus. In church, this Christmas season, we are to see that the comfort for Zechariah was that God did what he said he was going to do in giving him a son who would be the forerunner purpose under the preparing the way one for Jesus. And his whole purpose was to get people to take Jesus seriously. Folks, this Christmas season, would you, would you take Jesus as serious as you ever had? Would you bow your heart and bow your head and surrender your life to him? Would you say, I believe and I want God to work in my life? Yes, there are times when I'm troubled, but I have a savior in Jesus. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for the story of Zechariah and therefore John the Baptist. We thank you for the promises that are kept. And God, we thank you for the very purpose of John the Baptist's life. Yes, at times we are troubled, but you have answer for us. Oh, Father, help us to go all in and commit and surrender our lives. Thank you for Jesus. May we not miss him. In your name we pray, amen.